Are you happy to be in church? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Dre, the Spirit of the Lord says that you have been found faithful, that you have succeeded in the tests that have been laid before you. And as you have sought the Lord, even above and beyond your career, so God is going to continue to promote you and to move you up in the realm of the Spirit. Amen. And the things that you have desired of Him, particularly to move in the prophetic, is going to turn into a calling. And the anointing is going to rise beyond the, what you could have imagined. And it stems from the fact that you have been faithful even when there was just a little, you were faithful. And God has seen it. Man has not seen the commitment, the faithfulness that you have suffered. But God is rewarding you. And he's going to reward you openly for that which you've done secretly. So my sermon title is, God Said It, So What? <laughs> and before you criticize me for the title, you actually might be guilty. Because I would say that uh, the vast majority, certainly of the world, over 80% of the world, thinks exactly that. At least 50% of the world don't even believe the Bible. Anyway, so it doesn't matter what God said. My concern is for people who call themselves Christians and have this attitude towards what God said. And we know that we have that attitude when we face difficulties. When we face problems... And our problems contradict the Bible. When God has said, and your experience don't line up, and now you have a problem, do I believe my experience and what I'm going through above what God's Word said, or do I believe God's Word? And it's a very, very difficult thing to do. So I'm not making light of it. So, why do so many Christians enjoy attending prophetic meetings? Our biggest meetings with Prophet Esther, Prophetess Esther. We've never had bigger meetings than that. We always have well-attended meetings when Prophet Ed is in town or Prophet Andre. Why is it? Well, it's because people want to hear a word for themselves. As Pastor Cindy was saying, from God, they want to hear. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's cool. But we actually have to get to a place where we can hear God for ourselves. That is the most important thing because the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. Okay? So there's no way you can go through life as a Christian and say, well, I never hear God. And the first thing you've got to do is get saved. Because his sheep hear his voice. All right? So that's, that's a cue. All right? So in preparation for next Sunday, 
I don't want you to say, well, then I'm not going to come to church next Sunday. I'm going to stay home and hear the voice of God for myself. <laughs> Amen, because I'm a good sheep. And I want you to do that. I want you to prepare and I want you to grow. All right? I want you to grow in these things. So we will be looking at some prophetic things from Scripture, some words that God has spoken, and we'll also be looking at some things that prophet, Prophetess Esther said. Okay? So we've got to go back and have a look. So my second title is The Power of Prophecy. How many prefer that one? All right. Power of Prophecy. Nudge your neighbor and say he's changed his mind. I haven't changed my mind. <clears throat> One of the absolute truths that we adhere to here at the Promised Church is the absolute authority of the Bible. You agree with me? Absolute authority. So when we say absolute truth, what are we talking about? We're talking about a critical truth or an essential belief of the Christian faith. An absolute truth is critical and essential. In other words, <clears throat> there's no dispute. It's not open for negotiation. It's not open to debate. It is what it is. It's essential. It's immovable. So people who deny the essential truth, i.e., that the Bible is the absolute authority, if you deny that in any way, you cannot call yourself a Christian. You are not a Christian. You may be religious, but you're not a Christian. And unfortunately, that is about 80% of the people who claim to be Christian. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people who claim to be Christian. Because if they were put on the spot concerning a scripture, the chances are 80% of them will reason and lean to their own intelligence and understanding rather than simply taking what God said in His Word. Do you see how dangerous that is? God said it, so what? See, to rob a church or a person of their confidence and faith in the Scriptures is to rob them of the power of God in their life. Conversely, to instill into a person or a body, a church, confidence and faith in the Scripture is to release the power of God in their life. You cannot release the power of God in your life until you have absolute confidence in the Scripture. You pray all day. People lay their hands on you till you go bald. It's not going to work, sweetie. Listen carefully to me. It's not going to work. In Bible college, we just discussed the whole thing. Jesus went to his own hometown, and they were in unbelief about who he was. And he could do no mighty works there. You see, the Bible is either entirely true or it is entirely false. There's no half ways. There's no half measures. You can't just say, well, I like that scripture, that's good, but I don't think that's good. That's not for today, this is for today. Who are you, Almighty One? To determine which of God's word is still valid. 
I want to read a couple of statements by people that you know and what they thought about the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said, I am profitably engaged in reading the Bible. Take all of this book upon reason that you can in the balance by faith, and you will live and die a better man. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, you may not know who he is, but he was called America's Ace of Aces during World War I. He was the most famous um, fighter pilot who shot down more uh, Germans than any other person. And they, they said he was the luckiest man alive, could have been called the luckiest man alive, but he survived. And by his own account, he had 135 brushes with death. So he was nearly shot down 135 times. And he said this. He said, the Bible is one book for one world. Today I realize that I probably would not be here had it not been for the spiritual light and moral power learned from this book, which has carried me through the many crises of my life. That is who the most famous fighter pilot believed in and what he stood on. Herbert Hoover, 31st President of the United States, said, The whole of the inspiration of our civilization springs from the teachings of Christ and the lessons of the prophets. To read the Bible for these fundamentals is a necessity of American life. How far we have moved. How far we have drifted. J. Edgar Hoover, the first director of the FBI, said the Bible is the unfailing guide that points the way for men to a perfect life. George Washington said it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. These are famous people that we look up to. And they had the Bible as their fundamentals in their life and in governing this nation. This great nation will only work if it's governed by the foundation of Scripture. This great republic cannot work based on democracy. It's not a democratic country. It's a republican. It's a republic, not a republican as in democrat republican. It's a republic. And if the majority become immoral, this country will fail. Just saying. Now let's look at the integrity of God's word. If we're going to trust God's word, we have to look at what God said about himself and his own word. God said it, so what? Not one word of all his promises have failed. The word I speak will be done. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Has God said it and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? See, once God has spoken, it is done. It is accomplished, irreversibly complete. God watches over his word to perform it. The grass dies and the flower fall, but the word of our God stands forever. The scripture cannot be broken. In the beginning, that was in the beginning before the earth was created, 
in the beginning before anything was created, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, the Word was and is God. That might shock you. You see, whatever the attributes you ascribe to God can and must be ascribed to the Word. God and His Word are one. They are essentially eternal. You cannot separate God from His Word. What God said is done. He and His Word are one. Just like you and your Word are one. You cannot separate yourself from your Word. If you reject the validity of Scripture, you automatically reject God. You cannot say, I believe in God and doubt the Bible. You cannot say, I believe in God and question the validity of Scripture. The Bible is the only source of information and knowledge that we have about God, our Creator. See, many Christians allow reason to replace the Word, and their opinions become more valuable to them than what God has said. And if these people, who are ruled by the intelligence, instead of what God's Word says, they will challenge you and call you a fanatic, if you don't, do not lean to your own understanding. Now, let's look at the power of prophecy. I'm going to go real quickly through the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah that were fulfilled. You know all of these, and so I'm not going to give you references. You can do your own research. On some occasion, I'll give you references. But there's many. I have over 40 prophecies written in the Word spoken by prophets concerning the Messiah. God said it, so what? This is the power of what God said. The woman that would be Mary's child would crush Satan. The Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah would come from the house of David, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He'd be born a virgin, born from a virgin, in Isaiah 7, 14, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He'll be born in Bethlehem. All kings and nations will bow down to him. He will be rejected. He would enter Jerusalem riding a colt. He would be betrayed by a friend. He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. The 30 pieces of silver would then be used to buy the potter's field. He would be silent when accused. He would be spat on and his beard would be plucked off. Isaiah 56, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. He would be hated without a cause. He would be crucified with sinners. His hands and his feet would be pierced. His bones would not be broken. He would be, they would cast lots for his clothes and people would mock him. Psalm 22:16. and they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast... Lots for my clothing. Six prophecies in two verses. 
that came true exactly like that. They gave him gall and vinegar on the cross. People, these are all prophecies that I'm reading to you. The resurrection from the dead, the ascension back to heaven. Jesus predicted his own suffering, death, and resurrection on the third day. And Jesus also promised that he would return to collect us. If the 40 prophecies have all been fulfilled exactly as spoken, what makes you think that Jesus would return to collect us won't happen? It's going to happen. Amen? Go ahead. Give the Lord praise. It's going to happen. God said it, so what? People who think that will be asking the question after. It has happened. Now let's look at some New Testament prophecies that were fulfilled. We go to the book of Acts where the church has just been birthed and operating by the Spirit. Verse 11, 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. In other words, there's some prophets, New Testament prophets. New Testament prophets, not Old Testament prophets like Andre, Prophet Esther, Ed. New Testament prophets. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius, just like he prophesied. What did the church do? How did the church respond to this? The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. They took up offerings. They took offerings, financial offerings. And they sent it with Barnabas and Saul to the church in Judea because they were in extreme famine. God said it. The church responded. In Acts 21.4, Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, the disciples urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. Now notice, these were disciples. These were ordinary, everyday people in the church. They weren't prophets, but they heard the Spirit of God saying something about Paul's safety. And so they said by the Spirit, they were unctioned by the Spirit, they gave a word of wisdom concerning the future of Paul. And they said, don't go up to Jerusalem. There's problems waiting for you. And Paul chose to go to Jerusalem Anyway, even though the Spirit had told him what was going to happen. Now, a couple of verses later, here comes Agabus. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of the belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Did that happen? Exactly as prophet Agabus said. So now the believers had spoken by the Spirit. Now God sends a prophet in 
to punctuate, to make stronger, to operating in his gift, saying, Paul, be aware, this is what's going to happen. So here, we have a big question on our hands. <clears throat> Was it God's will for Paul not to go up to Jerusalem because of what the Spirit was saying, because of what was going to happen to him? Or was God simply telling Paul what you're going to have to cope with when you get there? Did the Spirit of God not tell Paul, you're going to go to Rome? And during the shipwreck, he said, you're going to go to Rome, you're going to talk to Caesar. So it was God's plan anyway to get him to Rome. Very often, the Spirit of God will speak to you concerning your future, not because you're going to avoid it, but because you're going to go through it. See, most of us want a prophetic word that speaks about a land of milk and honey and having your bread buttered on both sides. We don't want to hear trouble awaits you when you get to Jerusalem. We don't want to hear you're about to lose your job. We don't want to hear that. Why not? Why not? Surely, if God can see your future, He can also see the problems that you're going to have to deal with. Would you rather be forewarned to be prepared for that? Or when somebody gives you a word like that, would you say, Oh no, in Jesus' name, you can't speak like that. It's got to be for comfort and edification. Not if it's a prophet. Those nine gifts are for believers to operate. A teacher, an apostle, an evangelist, a pastor, a prophet, operate on another level so that the teacher can whip your butt in church if you need it or give you the word that is contrary to your thinking mm -hmm. or help you change the way that you're behaving. Yeah, right. That's what I've got to go to church that always make me feel good. No. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And they are the ones who said, God said it, so what? You understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Evangelist does let you know that you're a sinner. An evangelist will let you know the wages of sin is death. But the evangelist will also say, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. The evangelist will let you know you're on your way to hell, but there's life. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So sometimes when a prophet speaks, it may not always be what you want to hear. It may be, what are the small things that are keeping you from the burning bush? That you have to take off. Which prophet Esther said a lot. 
What are those cracks that are causing the anointing to seep out? What are those things that are separating that you need to give up and stop? See, we, we want to be blessed and we want to hear the good news. But oftentimes there's correction that comes with it. So when Paul gets told what's to happen, he is now prepared. And he said, that's okay. I am willing to die. Don't cry for me. I'm willing to die for the Lord, whatever it takes. I'm willing to lay it all down, and I will go through the eye of the needle. I will go through whatever storm. I will go through whatever's coming. If you look back in your life, has your life been plain sailing till now? Have you had any problems? Have you had some issues? So what makes you think? That starting tomorrow and moving forward before Jesus comes, that your life is just going to be honey. What makes you think this is going to be like no problems? Anybody out there? You're going home already. I'm not preaching doom and gloom to you. I'm preaching reality that you'll need to know what God said in the storm that's coming. Remember, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. You got some fat cows now, and some thin cows are coming to eat the fat cows, and you need to prepare now because the thin cows are coming. Everybody say, the thin cows are coming. Say it like you mean it. The thin cows are coming. Whether you say it or not, they're coming. In everybody's life, everybody's life, there are thin cows out there. The thin cows out there. The question is, how are you going to herd them? How are you going to cope with it? You're going to have to go to God's word. You're going to have to believe what God said. You're going to have to use the word of God in that situation. Now, let's talk about Esther's prophecies. You know, there was more than 38 people that she specifically called out by name. First name and last name. Now, I don't know who you are, how long you've been a Christian. But I can guarantee you, you've never ever been in a meeting or meetings when you saw that level of prophetic word and word of knowledge operating. Never. And I challenge you, come and see me afterwards. And I'll slap the lying devil out of you. The spirit of slap will come on me. I'm telling you. I've been around a long time. And I have never in all of my life been in a meeting where this kind of accuracy was being displayed. Which means there is more for all of us. She showed us there's more. We can go on. Don't get satisfied with, with your spiritual life where you are. There's more. God wants to take you to a higher level. There's a greater power God wants to move through your life with. There's a greater ministry God wants to use through you to touch other people. Don't become just blasé and comfortable where you are. You've been lying in the bath a long time. That water's got cold. Time to run some more hot water into the bath. Get the steam coming out again. So these are some of the people. If I missed your name, I'm sorry. 
She spoke of the promised church. You remember that? She spoke of a Pastor Cindy, myself, Pastor Jackie, Reverend Bill and Annette, Janice, by name, Janice Hancock, Chris, Christina, and Koa the dog, for goodness sake. How does that make you feel? The dog gets a prophecy, but you don't. I'm not coming back to that church, man. Rico, Odencial, he got one. Mike and Sierra, Pastor Mary Grace, and she said, God, call me by my name, Mary Grace. And he did. And later, Pastor Brian got one too. Liz, I mean, I couldn't pronounce Liz's last name. You have to be Spanish to pronounce it. Maritza, Michael, Pastor Andrew and Lindsay, and again me, Pastor Andrew. Cindy again, Terry Gash. Pastor. Terry Gash. Yeah. Alina, Alyssa, Israel, Sherry, Cheryl and Randy, Tina, Aaron Barrett, Ferrison, We See You, the organization, my son, Hain, and Anya and Bella Vera, Sheila Lane and her son, Andrew, Carrie Campbell and her son, Liam, and my half-brother, Charles and his wife, Belinda, all the way in South Africa. People. What else does God have to do in a meeting to get your attention? What does he have to do for you to suddenly say, okay, 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 it's you. It's you. Just one more. Okay, 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 it's you. All right, just give me one more. Is that the way that we look at the New Testament prophet as we see in the book of Acts? Is this the way we treat the New Testament prophet? Is this the way we believe God has given to the body of Christ these giftings to minister to us? And when they speak by the Spirit, we go, well, yeah, no, I'm not sure. They could have looked it up, you know, Facebook. She could have spent all three days trying to track you on Facebook and Instagram and check out your dog's name and who you're connecting with. She doesn't even speak English. <laughs> he doesn't even read English. She can't even read your Facebook. <laughs> and then she spoke over the promised church. So now, we have to make a big decision. Let me explain something to you. Um, we had... The two services, as you know, they were prophets. The interpretation was given by the lady. Well, we had them transcribed. We had professional people transcribe them who also were translators. So they translated it for us into English and transcribed it. Then Yadira over here, who speaks Spanish, who works as Jackie's caregiver, and she's an amazing, loving, incredible person, as faithful as a day is long. Yadira, we must have spent altogether maybe 24 hours, little bits at a time, over the last few months. And she's got her phone, she's doing translations, and we're listening to the audio, we're watching what the, the, the interpreter is saying, 
We're reading the transcript. She's helping me with the different words, and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help me see and believe and understand what Prophet Esther was saying because some of it can get lost in the translation. So I'm asking Holy Spirit, what is she saying here? Help me, okay? For example, one of the things that she said, which was translated, the lobsters have been eating everything that you have. The lobsters have been eating your time. And God is going to eat that which has been eating you. That was the translation that was done. But you see, the, the Spanish word, help me, help me here. The Spanish word for lobster, langosta, can also be translated locust. So it wasn't the lobsters that was eating you. It was the locusts. Now do you understand where I'm coming from? So we've, we've been spending hours and hours and hours and hours going through this to make sure that we've got it right and that it lines up spiritually. Okay? So a lot of work has gone into it. Now I'm going to read to you just a small portion um, because there are 50 pages on the first sermon. I think there are about 40 pages in the second sermon. So there's a lot, a lot of work. But I felt it was necessary because I have to trust God that God sent this prophetess into our midst to speak to us. So this is what she said by the Spirit concerning the promised church. The fire of God, and this is, again, only a small segment of what she said uh, about the promised church. This is not the whole. This is just a portion of it. The fire of God will come to this place. This place is going to turn into the burning bush. This place is going to be the point of attention of this entire city. Be prepared because a fire from God is coming that nothing will be able to extinguish. The fire of the enemy is extinguished, but not the fire of God. When the Holy Spirit is manifested in the place, there are three things that are manifested. People begin to have dreams, visions, and prophetic words, which happened last week. And uh, Shelby will share it when, she, when she's here. That's why the children in this house must get ready because they're going to start prophesying. She's talking about children. Yes. Prepare the children in this house, Pastor Lindsay, so that their mouths will be filled with words of boldness. The Holy Spirit will put words in their mouth. They're going to start dismantling any situation from the enemy in their homes. And that's what Pastor Lindsay has been doing. Amen. That's exactly what she's been doing. Young people in this house will become people, will become young people of covenant who will impact where they are. God is going to raise us up to the supernatural level. That's why I prophesy that this year, 2023, things that you've never seen with your own eye and heard with your ears, you have not heard. Or have entered into the heart of man because God has prepared for your life and for your house. You see, what we saw in those meetings, I'm telling you now, our eyes have never seen that. Our ears have never heard that. That's exactly what happened. That's what the Lord has for you and for your home. Get ready to receive wine, to receive wheat, and to receive oil. Get ready to receive joy. Get ready to receive revelation in the word. 
to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. A revival like never before heard on earth is coming. I believe that's coming to the whole world. The biggest revival that has ever been. Pastors, she says, you must start preparing the place for the big harvest that is coming. The Lord has already given you a sign that He is starting to speak to people who you don't know and that they are going to come. What? Yeah, go, go ahead and praise the Lord if you want to. What you're seeing today is the first fruit. It is the first thing that's going to happen with the harvest. The Lord is giving you the signal and He's giving you the direction of the coming harvest. That's why the harvest comes. But God has already alerted you. Prepare the house. Prepare the chairs. Expand the place. And begin to establish the design of the building plans. Because after the feast of the first fruit comes Pentecost. And with Pentecost comes the great harvest. What you are experiencing today is the first fruits. After the first fruits come Pentecost. The great harvest will come. A harvest that God is already speaking to you about. I tell you that this year, in this year, 2023... The harvest of all this will come. You will receive a powerful harvest that is coming. A harvest of souls is coming. A financial harvest. A harvest in marriages. A harvest in children. A harvest in ministries. I prophesy a mighty harvest is coming to this house. It will be bigger and it will be more powerful than you have ever experienced until now. The place where you are going to go has already been built. God has had people working and building what He has for you, what He is going to give to you. Can we stand up and give God praise? Come on, people. Let's give God praise. Give Him 15 minutes of praise. Come on. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We praise you. We receive it in Jesus' name. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We believe your prophets. We believe what you've said to us, Lord. We take you at your word. Amen. God said it, so what? I believe it. Say, I believe it. One more time, I believe it. God said it, I believe it. In Jesus' name. Say, whatever he has said, will come to pass in my life. I believe the words of Prophet Esther were given by the Spirit of God. For us, for our home, our church, our children, our young people, our marriages, our finances, and for our harvest in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Do not let the words she has spoken fall to the ground. I suggest you get a hold of those videos. You listen to them again. Do your own transcription of what she said about you and begin to pray over it and believe God because she spoke such amazing things over your life. And even though you might have ended up in Jerusalem after that and been bound hand and feet and you go, where's God? God is still there. 
God knew Jerusalem was coming and God spoke to you concerning what is coming to make you be aware he is with you he's comforting you and he's going to bring about the change that he has spoken in your life yes. I'm telling you what God said is going to come to pass yes. believe it in the name of Jesus yes. so next Sunday when we come to hear what God has to say we are coming with expectation. Yes. We're believing God is going to yes. speak to our hearts. And whatever he says to our church, we're going to believe it. God is speaking supernaturally to this body. He is preparing us for what's coming. We have to receive it. Otherwise, we have to say, God said it, so what? If that's the case, tear the Bible up. No, no. We're going to believe it with all our hearts. We're going to stand fast. We're going to move forward in God. Amen. What God has said will come to pass. When He has said it, it's done in Jesus' name. Can we give Him one more praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, if you need prayer, come on down. We'll have the prayer team come and join us. Come on down, ministry team. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for anything, you want agreement with you, we'll do that. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit today, it would be a good day to come down and receive. Amen. Spirit of God is moving. Spirit of God is moving. So come on down. If you need prayer for anything, just come and join us. Praise the Lord. Otherwise, church, you're dismissed. We will see you on Sunday. See tomorrow night Bible College. And then Sunday is going to be an awesome, powerful day. And for those that are coming to the prophetic uh, workshop, you come ready to receive some teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, you're dismissed. God bless you.